0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Vital Signs of Democracy podcast. Is democracy threatened in America? Because we never thought in our lifetimes we would be asking that question. And yet here we are, seemingly more polarized than any other time in our history.
1: So our goal in this podcast isn't to tell you the news, but to help us understand how the stories we hear and believe are crafted for other reasons and how that impacts our belief in a democratic form of governance. We're gonna slow down and take a deep look at motivations, interpretations, and yes, the facts themselves. I'm Debbie Lynn Molyneux, co-publisher of The Fulcrum. I'm also the president and CEO of Bridge Alliance, which is a coalition of almost 600 organizations who are working to bring about a thriving, just, and healthy democratic republic. You can learn more about our work at bridgealliance.us.
0: And I'm David Reardon, Director of Vital Signs of Democracy. Every two weeks, we publish a rating of the threat level to democracy in America based on our unique narrative analysis of the news. And we pay particular attention to how both Make America Great Narratives from the Biden Democrats and the MAGA Republicans are garnering support from their voters or not.
1: All right, so let's get started.
0: Well, it's great to be back again with you, Debbie Lin. In the vital signs scan we just released, there were lots of stories being told by both parties as they continue to work out their pitch to voters for the 2024 election. However, the news story I want to primarily focus on in this episode is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy giving exclusive access to over 41,000 hours of Capitol surveillance footage to Tucker Carlson at Fox News. This is the security footage from all the stationary cameras in the capitol building that recorded what took place on january 6th now there's been an endless amount of pundit debate about the significance of this footage released by mccarthy we will delve into some of that and what tucker carlson's getting out of it as necessary but what we really want to take a deeper look at is the democrats response to this release our narrative analysis in this last scan is flagging something in their response that could end up contributing, in our view, to threatening our democracy.
1: So I guess I have a question here. Why would McCarthy do this? I mean, what possible advantage would it give him to allow Tucker Carlson exclusive access to this
0: footage? Well, if you remember, McCarthy refused to participate or allow other Republicans to participate in the official January 6th hearings. He said at that point, when he became Speaker of the House, he would launch his own independent investigation to get to the MAGA Republican truth of what really happened on January 6th. He claimed that the official House findings were a highly partisan attempt to attack Trump. So in our view, his giving the Capitol security footage to Carlson is part of this MAGA Republican leadership attempt to rewrite the history about the January 6th attack. Here's a short clip of Trump at one of his rallies talking about how he views his supporters that stormed the Capitol that day.
2: We will treat those people from January 6th fairly. We will treat them fairly. And if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons because they are being treated so unfairly.
0: Trump seems to be trying to plant this seed, that the Department of Justice indictments of the rioters are not legitimate. We see McCarthy's release of the security footage to Carlson as part of that effort.
1: Okay, so that's McCarthy and what he's saying. Why do you think Tucker Carlson wants access to this footage before other news organizations or the public?
0: Carlson has been one of the main voices on Fox promoting an alternative narrative about the events of January 6th. He's attempting to paint the violence that day as a normal political demonstration, or as he refers to it, a minor event. Here's a short clip of Carlson making that case.
2: Two years later, it's clear that Ashley Babbitt, is her death is by far the most significant thing that happened at the U.S. Capitol building that day. But at the same time, it is the least talked about event of January 6th. Why is that? Well, because the facts about what actually happened on January 6th disrupt the lies, what they've told you happened on January 6th. And those lies have proven very useful to the Biden administration and to permanent Washington. On the basis of a wholly created myth about what happened that day, the Biden Pentagon conducted an unprecedented political purge of the entire U.S. military. The FBI and various intel agencies increased their control over the American media. And most obviously, the DOJ has been allowed to prosecute and jail hundreds of nonviolent political protesters whose crime was having the wrong opinions. So you can hear
0: Carlson claims that the Democrats and the Justice Department are not telling the truth to the American public about the events of January 6th. And based on that false narrative, he makes three claims in this clip to his Fox audience. One, the Pentagon conducted a political purge of the U.S. military. Two, the FBI took more control of the media. And three, the DOJ prosecuted nonviolent protesters. All three of these claims have absolutely no basis in fact. And if we have time today, we'll talk more about the revelations that also emerged in this last scan about Vox News, Tucker Carlson, and the Dominion voting machine Reliable case.
1: I hope we have time to talk about the the right. latest bombshells, shall we say, coming out about Fox News. And, you know, if those are the latest MAGA Republican plays, what about the, the Biden Democrats and how did they counter the story of McCarthy giving exclusive access of the Capitol footage to Carlson?
0: Well, as we've heard, there was the usual expressions of outrage by Democratic leaders. And Here's an example of what one of those sounds like.
1: I want everyone to be very clear what Kevin McCarthy and uh, the extreme MAGA Republicans are trying to do. They're trying to rewrite the history of the last two years and of the Trump era to, so that they can have a different political narrative going into 2024 and win a larger majority. They do that on the House Oversight Committee, which I'm on, by having these types of investigations that everybody knows are uh, based on conspiracy theories. Now he's handing over these tapes to Tucker Carlson so that that Tucker can cherry-pick the footage that he deems necessary to use the Fox megaphone to basically say that January 6 was no big deal, it's much ado about nothing.
0: And he's right to be outraged about McCarthy's latest stunt. But that is not the whole story that emerged out of our narrative analysis. Remember, we're always looking at the impact of what both parties are doing when we ask the question, is democracy threatened in America?
1: So what is the hidden story, as I think you like to call it, that we should be paying attention to?
0: Okay, so here it is. As American voters try to make sense of the myriad of stories that they're being told by both sides of our current culture war, the fact that the Democrats in this case seemingly were caught off guard by McCarthy's actions potentially leaves voters with the impression that Democrats are not taking this attempted rewrite of the events of January 6th seriously enough to have protected the archive of Capitol security footage from Fox News personalities like Tucker Carlson. And remember, Trump supporters on Fox represent 35% of American voters. They will only see what Carlson comes up with in his distorted fable about that day. So based on that, here is what we'll be watching for in our narrative analysis going forward. If in the coming days before the 2024 election, the history of the January 6th insurrection is successfully rewritten to align with the MAGA Republican leadership narrative, or if the Justice Department does not indict and convict Trump and his allies of attempting to overthrow the U.S. government, American voters may begin losing their faith in our democratic system of checks and balances that is designed to hold bad actors accountable. One result of this could be the following voters may go looking for someone other than moderate pro-democracy forces to support in the coming 2024 election. So that's what emerged from our latest scan. But while we're talking about the power of stories to influence whether we'll have a democracy in America or not, there's another category of these stories that you are tracking, right? So tell me about that.
1: I want to do a deeper dive and kind of move beyond like the perspective of party leadership, because I have become very curious in this last couple of weeks about the woke and anti-woke bandwagons that have now become kind of tension points for activating people. And I'm gonna start with like defining terms. So woke is this shortcut word that was originally describing an awareness of ongoing and systemic biases within our culture that disadvantages some people, usually black. And it did originate in the social justice movement. And it was initially this badge of honor among white allies who vowed to use their influence and their social capital to advocate for equal justice before the law. And as it became this badge of honor, it was also weaponized. The woke activist used this badge against people who didn't agree with them, either with their problem or the solution. And so to be not woke became equated to being a racist. And by the way, this is called a false equivalency and it's a tool of propagandists. So if you have ever been accused of something that you know is unfair or inaccurate, our natural human reaction is to entrench and maybe have a a lash out in anger against this kind of uh, false accusation. It's a backlash. It's the same thing that we're seeing now as a backlash to this kind of purity testing that says you're either woke or you're anti woke. And this virtue signaling of using the terms woke and anti woke is what the extreme right and the extreme left are doing to get people activated and on their side. You know, Governor DeSantis in Florida is using this anti woke straw man argument, which is another propaganda tool. By saying that wokeism is ruining the state and he won't stand for it.
2: We reject this woke ideology. We will never surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die.
1: Now, both the woke and the anti woke crowds really want us to believe that there are only two choices. So pick your virtue signal and you'll be safe. And you'll note, you know, David, this feeds right into your. MAGA Republican, make America great again story for the MAGA Republicans and for the Biden Democrats. And in these moments of societal change, the powers, the people who have power in culture, establish an other to create conflict and division, to gather their forces and have a common enemy. And it separates us, all of us in the middle from our better angels, and it diminishes our humanity. So, how do we reverse course? How do we reject both of these narratives and look for what's possible? I can share with you a couple of examples of what not to do, because that's part of it, too. We need to know what to do, but we also need to know what not to do. The first one is don't name call. If people are calling others names, they're using another propaganda tool to dehumanize others. The second example of what not to do is don't use whataboutism. You know, oftentimes when we want to avoid a question that somebody is asking us that we may not have a ready answer for, we counter with, well, what about, and then we throw in a red herring example that's not related to the actual topic or question that was asked. This is another propaganda tool. And so really the how we reverse course is we start being really savvy to what propaganda is, and then we don't use it.
0: You know, I'm really glad that you're calling out the shortcomings of both sides using their version of this woke narrative as propaganda. What you are pointing to, in our view, is yet another example of how the news coverage that is reporting on potential threats to democracy in America can become muddled and confused, and sometimes intentionally. And it would be one thing if those pushing these false narratives really believed them, So in the other big Fox News story that we analyzed in this latest scan showed that their executives and their popular primetime personalities intentionally lied to their audience about the legitimacy of President Biden's election in 2020. And why did they lie? This is the important part. According to their emails, they were fearful that they would lose their audience of Trump supporters because they correctly called Arizona for Biden. There was such a huge pushback from his voters that they seriously considered taking the call in Arizona back, even though Biden did win the state. And what was their biggest fear about losing the Trump supporters? That their ratings and their profits would drop. They would have made less money.
1: Well, and I I would also point out here that there's a dynamic tension in that Fox will also make fun of what's on CNN and MSNBC, and MSNBC will make fun of what's on Fox. And so they almost feed off of each other, if you will, to be news for each other, to serve up a dish to their audience. So, and, and that to me, it's like, I don't want to hear news about news. I actually want to hear news.
0: Well, amen to that. And let's be clear, the danger that we are pointing to here is that if both tribes, continue to cloud our debate concerning democracy in America with false or exaggerated narratives about the other tribe, voters could turn away from both parties, as they have been in the past, and start looking for a strong man that would address their grievances. In a sense, Trump understood this when he mobilized white, working-class voters in red and blue states in both 2016 and 2020
1: Well, and they they also felt disrespected. And I want to I want to bring this in really quick, because they felt that their dignity had been taken from them by the progressive narrative. And until we can restore dignity to all people, we're going to be at risk.
0: And So this ties into a bigger narrative that we are tracking, and that has to do whether big corporations are going to tell the truth to the American people, both in the political arena, in terms of what they fund, and in the economic arena, in terms of how transparent they are about how they set their prices for things like fuel and food. Now, is the Fox News Corporation the only one that lies or stretches the truth to improve their profits? Sadly, the answer to that is no. Here's a commercial that is part of a campaign by Chevron Oil. They seem to really want to ensure Americans that they are transitioning from fossil fuel production to renewable sources to combat the impacts of climate change. Over 7 billion people,
1: each in our own little corner of the world. And yet, there's one place we all call home, We know it's going to take many forms of energy to meet the world's needs while creating a cleaner future for all. And we all must do our part. At Chevron, we're lowering the carbon emissions intensity of our operations, investing in lower carbon technologies, and exploring renewable fuels of the future. We work hard to care for the homes we love. But it's only human
2: to protect the one we share.
0: In spite of the story this commercial is telling us, we know from the evidence presented at congressional hearings that the primary goal of the big energy corporations is to still squeeze as much money as they can out of consumers during the next 10 years. They're hoping they can pull that off before the destructive impacts of climate change become clear to everyone. So these fables told by oil companies notwithstanding, when we look at the stories we are hearing in our news coverage about potential threats to our democracy, again, there is this danger that voters will become more skeptical and worse yet lose faith in the very institutions that are supposed to help them make good decisions about who to vote for. So, we've been talking about corporations and their influence on elections and on America in general. When you look for the hope, Debbie Lynn, do you see anything that corporations would actually take responsibility for their actions as it relates to maintaining our American democracy?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to pull out. Um... A meeting that I went to this morning, actually, it was a launch event for something called the ERB Principles, ERB, and that's housed at Michigan State University. And what they have done is they've designed, with input from over 250 stakeholders, something called the Corporate Political Responsibility. And first of all, I think it's funny that it's CPR, Corporate Political Responsibility, and we're on vital signs of democracy, so I just have to like have that little moment.
0: Did you point that out to them? Because that's hysterical, right? I,
1: I did not, but uh, it just occurred to me as I was talking to you about it and seeing the big CPR. But what this does is it provides four primary principles are legitimacy, accountability, responsibility, and transparency. And so as corporations that we've just been talking about are making decisions about their political spending, their political activation, their lobbying, meetings, information meetings, junkets, et cetera. This gives them a framework to think about how to do that in a responsible manner that doesn't harm the communities that they serve, whether that's their employees, whether it's their customers, whether it's the planet itself. And so, you know, they started with five founding corporations, um, IBM is one of them and they've got some others that are going to be following in the next couple of days. And as i think corporations are also starting to recognize both their danger, Disney in Florida, Walgreens on the abortion pill right now, that they're going to be, you know, at the mercy of these this whirlwind of poli- of uncertainty in our political environment. These herb principles are helping them ground in how to make the decisions about what's not only best for their corporation and their profits, but also for their their stakeholders. And so I find tremendous hope in that.
0: That will be something to keep track of. Certainly, it would seem that large corporations would want to invest in the stability of the American political system instead of the divisive culture war we're currently experiencing. And I'm sure that we'll have much more to say about that another time. But we've come to the end of this episode, so if any of you in the audience want to see the results of our latest Vital Signs narrative analysis scan, you can dive deeply at vitalsignsofdemocracy.com.
1: And read about more good news at Fulcrum.us. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.